Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Jason and Brian here, and we're coming off our last podcast where we're discussing who told you and really kind of getting into the breakdown of why we believe certain things and who do we listen to and all of that entails about that. And we weren't really talking about a specific issue. We weren't focusing on the leaves of the tree, but focusing on the trunk and the foundation that those words and those ideas are coming from. I think it was two podcasts ago, we talked about the motives of why people speak. And in this episode, I thought it might be important that we discuss the platform of truth or the platform that we build all of our ideas off of and what are the things that are unmovable within our beliefs and our ideas and our, our normal biases. Like we talked about biases from a location that you live has one way of thinking, another location has another way of thinking. Those biases that really aren't right or wrong, they're just based on the context of the information, how it's received. So we're going to hit into this um, in this episode, and I did want to highlight, I thought it was kind of interesting, we were getting some comments about our last podcast, and a lot of ideas were coming and how people felt about matters um, in the world around them. But it was coming from the title, not from the content of the podcast. And I thought it was interesting that some of these individuals that have a great idea, they have things that are important to them, but they were still only looking at the title. They weren't actually listening to the content of the matter that was being discussed. So it's important whenever we're, um, my view anyway, is before I really form an opinion, I need to know what was actually said so I can evaluate and I, I realize how much our culture is so driven off of headlines and it just triggers things in us. So it's the irony is the podcast was about that idea. It actually demonstrated it in the comments as people didn't listen to it. They just saw the title and commented. We kind of have our real world example of what we were talking out playing right out in front of us. And as we've talked about the motives of people giving you information, I wanted to highlight that one more time because it is so critical. And I would include when you're listening to this podcast, you need to know my motive because without that, you won't know how to interpret the information that I'm talking about the same way with any news article you read. And so just so you guys know, one of my motives from this entire thing is not to get you to like, subscribe to Outbound Life Monthly, even though if you want to, you can subscribe on the website. It's not to get you to send me $5 in PayPal or Venmo or anything like that. My motive is to help people see how free they are in Christ and to lift them up in their identity, to help them develop their strength, to help them to see their courage, and then ultimately to be influential in whatever area they are in. That's the motive I come at this with. And so whatever I talk about, needs to be seen through that lens, because otherwise you're left to kind of interpose your own motive on your own truth on that. And ultimately, when we're talking about truth, it's going to be really difficult to, to sift through all the lies, all the misdirection, all the distractions of the world and get to the truth without knowing the motive. So I wanted to highlight that one more time as we talk about truth today, which can be a very difficult um, topic, because it sounds like something easy. Everyone agrees on truth, the importance of truth. But then we'll go on an hour later, 
and people are arguing over things because I've got my truth over here and you've got your truth over here, and now we're just at this crossroads where, crossroads where we're at conflict with each other and we don't know how to deal with this, or we're at conflict with this organization and we don't know how to deal with that because we're, we end up fighting about truth and at times ultimately trying to silence opposing views. And I've got to wonder at times if we've really been taught in our world how to have healthy conflict that is rooted in the truth. There's an interesting quote that I heard from a, um, there's an author in the 1850s, and he was a, a Christian apologetic um, philosopher and dealt with a lot of the core issues, believed that you could only become an individual through a relationship with Jesus Christ, that where you truly discover what you are to him and who you are on this earth and the blend of those two together. And I, I bring that up because he makes this really great point. His name is Soren Kierkegaard, and I probably said that all wrong, but he's Scandinavian. So if you want to look him up, 1850s. So Soren Kierkegaard said, There is no greater evil one can suffer than to hate reasonable discourse. And I think we've lost this idea that the moment someone disagrees with us, they're, they're, they're ripping apart something about us. And the problem... I believe, is that we've built a foundation on our ideology, on our things that we want to believe, things that we have been taught. And so the moment there's a disagreement, it becomes so personal that I almost have to destroy you because you changing or bringing a different idea or bringing something that is countering to my idea is personal. And when you're free inside, it's not personal because my identity is not based on every idea that I have. My identity is not based on how the group in my area is thinking about something. My identity is based on who I am, who I am to my father. And as an individual, I am free. And when I'm free, I don't have to agree. I can be passionate, but I don't look at the individual talking as my enemy. I'm dealing with the reasonings and and um, the discussion, which is critical because we all have blind spots and we all need to sharpen. And if what you believe is absolutely the truth, then in, I don't need to defend it. Just speaking it will start shaping those things and it will start uh, coming about. But I think the other foundation of truth is what do you live? And I think we've built a society that if I say these things or I'm, I'm in agreement with this group, then that, that is what is the most powerful thing. And it's not. It's not agreeing with the group. It's not disagreeing with the group either. It's based on the fact that I can go in and offer myself and we can discuss and I can learn and I can understand without shattering who I am. So right now, I would think that most people are going to agree with that statement. And there's probably a lot of people nodding their heads as they listen to that. But now I wanna take it a step further since we all agree, how often do we practice that? And how, how often do we allow other people to operate in freedom even when what they are, how they are operating in it, we disagree with? And, now, and, and that might bring up some extreme examples in your head of, okay, well, are you saying we should just let people murder other people because they're free? No, we're not, we're not getting weird with it. But think of it in our context of today. There's a lot of different opinions on 
how to live your life, you know, what kind of, from anything from what kind of clothing you wear to what religion you're a part of, what kind of services you attend on Sundays or Saturdays or Fridays, whether it's a church, a mosque, a synagogue, whatever it is, do we, do we genuinely appreciate the freedom that the people in the other buildings operate in? Or are we okay with their freedom being shut down as long as it doesn't affect us? I agree. And there's a, a video that came out that has really affected me um, a little bit differently than all the other videos about what's going on in our world right now. And there's the discourse of, you know, one of the surface one is, do we reopen? Do we not reopen? How come we're putting people at risk um, by reopening because people could die from COVID-19? And then the other side is saying, um, but if we don't reopen, then other people can be put, we're putting another group of people at risk. And I don't think that's really the key argument. That is the thing that needs to be discussed and deliberated on. But I don't think that is at the core of the key argument. And this police officer, uh, his name's Officer Anderson, he's out of Seattle, and he posted a video from his squad car. He's an army ranger, served uh, a tour in Iraq during 0405. And he started talking about, as a police officer, we vow to the Constitution. And I just want you to ca catch this idea. Don't, don't get lost so much in, this, in the technicality. I want you to catch an idea. He had a problem with going against people's civil liberties that the whole country was founded on. The whole reason a governor can even make a decision is because it's founded on a principle a core truth that is fundamental in order for everything else to operate. And in our country, the person, the government was formed according to the Declaration of Independence at the consent of the governed. So who is ultimately, where does the government draw its power from? Not from itself, but, but from the people that are being governed. So the government was put there in our country, the USA, for the purpose of the people, not the people were there for the purpose of the government. And this is foundational understanding where all our decisions in the U.S. based on our liberties and our freedoms in the U.S. are based on these ideas. And so what the officer was saying, it is wrong to impose civil liberties, restrictions, and imprison people and fine people and pull people over that goes against the fundamentals of what the country was founded on to begin with. And the only reason the officer has any power is based on that constitution. And so he was making a statement against the tyrannical rule that would go against the constitution. He didn't say he was a churchgoer, yet he said everyone whether you're a mosque, he didn't say this, I'm adding, but whether you're a mosque, a synagogue, a uh, enlightened universalist idea, or the Christian church, they need to have the freedom to meet because that is what was granted in our constitution. Now, whether I agree with all of those other beliefs is not the platform to why I get to discuss and disclose what I believe. It's because it's built on a foundation of a freedom. And I think what really moved me by the officer 
is he was coming from an enforcement side of things and a vow that he took to uphold the Constitution. And so he was making a statement that the rules of the tyrannical rules that he stated from his own state's governor were violation of the Constitution, and he will not go by them. And within three days of posting the video, it went so viral, he first got statements from his, his commander that he liked the video. Then it all of a sudden, it started exploding. Then he got another call back three, three hours later and says, hey, you got to pull it down. And he says, I'm not pulling it down. I'm already in. The whole statement of this was the freedom to stand on your platform of, of what's right and wrong. Well, within a little bit while later, only hours later or the next morning, he got a call from the police chief. And the police chief was straight and said, you got to pull it down. The governor, it, it's affecting all these things. He says, I won't do it. Well, now it's looking like he'll lose his job. So within four days of making a stand on the Constitution, not on what kind of beliefs to have, not on whether to open or not open, not on the COVID-19 issue, all on the foundational truth of what our country stands for to begin with. And that's what his statement was regarding. And I think it's very interesting when you really get down to the nuts and bolts that is a place where I don't know if many of us even know where that line is, where you have to say no. And so I thought it'd be interesting if we kind of discuss that through through the podcast and what is the foundational line as at when in your life is no or a decision needs to be made that you're willing to risk everything. So he has a family of three, he has homes. And he needs his job and his pension. And as of three days ago, by making a statement based on the oath that he took as a police officer, is now going to lose all that. And he was willing to, because after fighting in uh, Iraq and seeing people's freedoms just ripped apart, and in a moment, a world going to chaos... He realized you have to know what you're willing to live and die for. And this became that point. If it costs them everything, it costs them everything. And I thought that was just really interesting to watch someone get to the core truth versus dealing with the surface, the surface issues that we tend to war the most about, the ideological ideas that seem to bring the biggest conflict when we don't even realize the reason we can have ideological dialogue is because there's a foundation of truth that gives us the liberty to have that to begin with. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out, his whole situation, because I know there's a ton of people that are backing him and supporting him now, um, even when when the system that he's a part of is trying to trying to silence him, trying to push him out. And it's, you know, even if you remove the the government, the police, the law aspect of it, like you were saying, Brian, try to look at the principle behind this here. There is a, a core system, a way of living that is set up, the government based on the Constitution for this example, and that is being violated. And so when someone stands up to it and says, this shouldn't be happening, we can't do this, it's wrong, it goes against our core, it goes against what we stand for, there is incredible pushback from people who don't want that to be part of the system. And that applies to anything. 
There are people that don't want you to have free speech. There are people that don't want you to be free in a natural sense, a spiritual sense, whatever application, and there will be pushback on it. And it, it doesn't always look like the final battle. Many times, and I think this applies to his situation, it's something that has crept into the system a little bit here and a little bit there because I, I've yet to find someone that thinks that United States as a, as a government is still operating only under the, the bounds of the Constitution. Those things have changed and been altered and freedoms have been, you can say, infringed here and there, a little bit here and a little bit there. And many times there hasn't been much of a conflict around that because it's just seen as either progress or it's just, you know, this outdated thing, we need to adjust for it here. To now you find yourself in this place where something core is being attacked. And I, I really wonder how many people will even want to stand up and resist that, or how many people will want to avoid that because it's conflict. And conflict makes us so uncomfortable, especially today where we are so used to having 10 different ways to avoid conflict and to resolve conflict. And many times our conflict resolution trainings, um, they end up being more of compromise and giving away a little bit of yourself and ending up different on the other end of it. Instead of conflict um, resolving where it's, this is what I am and I can't be a different way and I refuse to live a different way. So I'm standing firm in who I am. And if there's something coming against it, now we have an issue. But I wonder if people have ever had to actually ask themselves that question, like you said, what's the point? Where's the line where you won't cross it and you won't let something change after this line? You know, one thing I could really observe in that, and to your point, my, my way of thinking during the very initial lockdown and measures for the pandemic, it was going to go about two weeks. And I mean, you know what? Let's, we don't know what this is. Let's just figure it out. Yeah. And I think as a whole, Everyone wanted to do what was in the best interest of others, and I think they still want to do what's in the best interest of others. So they did. And it was it was like a mutual thing, a mutual idea coming together, a uniting of individuals to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. But then over time, as it stayed in that, it went from uniting and doing something together to being punished and drones being put out. And all of a sudden, a world that's being policed that if you don't do these things, here's what's going to happen to you. And I think there becomes something that when you strip away a person's ability to do something and offer themselves, and now it becomes mandated, number one, it's no longer being done by love, it's being done by fear. And I think at yeah. the beginning, there was a sense of love to combat. Now there's a sense of fear, I can't respond now. So what was at first a choice and a willingness and a and an offering has now become something that is very different. And so some will say, well, you don't you're not being compassionate towards people. And we discussed this in the last mm -hmm. podcast. So I don't want to go back through each one of those pieces. But I think there's something deeper in the truth. And I think the real the reality is I think there's so much wishy-washy and knowing when to surrender and to com do compliance out of love versus I'm not going to conform though. I can't change who I am or I can't be able to do this in the future. Yeah. And I think this is what that police officer is yeah. talking about. At first, we got to do this, guys. Hey, people. Hey, we, we got to do this. We, we got an issue we're dealing with. Let's work together. 
and I'm going to remind you what, what's going on. I'm going to educate you why we're going to do this to a degree where he made a point of an undercover police officer going into a home of someone doing nails in their home, and they had to send undercover police officers to bring charges against her. This is where you start going into something that's crossed over. And the reason is there's no foundation of why we're doing it. Think about it. The governor is offering a state of emergency, so there's things that they can do. But how did that governor have the power to do it? Because an elected legislator. And, and it goes into there's a process to this. But even our foundation of our government, the Marbury versus Madison ruling, was that no law can ever be put in that goes, it's, it's a null and void law that violates the Constitution. It's not a real law. And here I'm not trying to explain of who's right and wrong in this. Again, this is why you need a platform of debate. It's why you need assembly. It's why you need to be able to protest. It's why they need to come together is to wrestle through the best ways of handling this by hearing all the different voices. And dissenting voices doesn't mean someone who's opposing what's true. It just means the application has some new views to take a look at. And I, I think we've made that almost a taboo. Again, back to my point, we post an article of people that have these deep convictions of what they think the world is doing to them, of how they've been violated, and how they don't like the media because they pick and choose whatever the media wants to put out to create a narrative. Yet what they did to the podcast was they didn't even listen to it. They took the headlines and picked and choose how they were going to converse. So even from both sides of all this, no one's really hearing what the other person has to say because no one is really wanting to be heard. They just want to declare. I'm going to declare, I'm going to declare, I'm going to declare versus having a discussion to get to the heart of it. Because the truth is, 10 years ago, Jason, have you learned some things in 10 years? You know, a couple. A couple things. I've learned a couple things. I've learned a lot of things that I used to think were the right way. And I realized it was based in the wrong truth. It was based on the wrong foundation. So I had to make adjustments. We're always growing. We're always gaining new information. We're always gaining understanding. But wisdom never changes. Wisdom is always a consistent matter that never changes. So I can have more information and more understanding, but if I don't have any wisdom, it's, it's useless. So there has yeah. to be a foundation point, which is... Uh, the long version of the point I'm trying to make. Well, and thinking about different aspects where I've changed my mind on things or changed my belief system on things, I don't mean like my belief system of Christianity, but changed the way I see things in the world. Those things that I've grown in were not because someone had a better article that they posted in the comment section of something. And I read their article, even though they were on the other team, and it really won me over. It, it, it does not work that way. The times that I have grown... It, it's from open discussion and being okay uh, to to be exposed to new ideas and new ways of thinking and not being so you know defensive and fearful about interacting with someone that might believe something different than me because that's when you're really starting from a place of freedom and love and even creativity like you mentioned before with when the lockdown started it was really, you know, in the circles that I was around and the conversations I was having with people, it was everyone was looking at looking at it from an opportunity to, as free people, 
act out of love and see how creative we could be in a very difficult time. And then, as you said, as information came in that was new, things started changing in people's mindsets. But now it's really not about being free and acting out of love and creativity. It's about control in in a natural sense and maybe in a spiritual sense. You can look at this as well. It's about you needing to listen to the person over you and not question things and to kind of give up the way you thought about things before and become become subject to this new thing instead of actually as a free person being able to discuss it and even argue with it passionately at times because it really comes down to that if there was more of an open dialogue then i think we'd fall more on the side of you know what you as a free person you have the right to to make your own decisions and i don't have the right to force my belief on you and if we're both acting out of love you're going to see a much better result than acting out of authority and suppression and again this is not this is not a political stance and and honestly as i'm as i'm going through these things in my mind i'm not even really thinking about it from a a natural worldly sense there's a spiritual application to this that i think a lot of people miss at times where are you designed to to spiritually be in the system of shut your mouth and listen to the people above you or are you designed to be a son and a daughter that has freedom and is growing and learning and can challenge things like you had mentioned um uh there's a, a passage in the new testament where i don't remember if you mentioned it in the last podcast or not but there is a group of christians that would eagerly listen to the apostles and their teachings and then go and study the scriptures to seek it out themselves as well i feel like we've really lost that in a sense that was the bereans that they would go they were yeah. called noble-minded and they're eager to learn, but they would go study it out. Yeah, I, th I think that's something that we're sorely missing today. But back back to, I guess, the original point, when someone stands up and refuses to bend to a system, there is there's so much irritation that it causes because people are used to conformity. They're used to a system where you just got to do what you're told to get along and to avoid conflict. But at the same time, at least from the conversations I've been having with people, the world is dying for people to stand up and to stand for something and to not shrink away from that when conflict does arise. I think this is a question that we all wrestle with because even when it comes to Christianity, I'm still learning new things. Yeah. I'm still discovering more aspects of yeah. Jesus. I'm still I'm still I'm still learning and growing in who he is. And I will be doing that until I die. Actually, the moment I stop, I'm going to be more concerned because mm -hmm. the moment I think I've arrived at knowing, I, I'm really kind of a fool. Yeah. So we have to have those debates, but I, I want to know that it's concrete. And I think the reality is we know a lot of things, but when push comes to shove, are you willing to sacrifice your life for that belief? Are you willing to sacrifice your career for that belief? Are you willing to give up the security of the crowd? for truth that will change your life? Those are tough questions. I'm not even asking you guys to make a decision on that. I'm just saying, now we're getting to the core. Do you really believe this? Or do you? does it have another benefit to believing that? Or is fear driving it? Is, is fear of loss the bigger driver? I mean, honestly, if it's only about the fear of loss of a business is your only driver, and you're willing to risk 
things based on that, you're still built on a wrong premise. But if it's built on the idea that I'm a free person, I'm an adult, I'm responsible, I can make a decision and calculate those risks. Now we're dealing with it from a different perspective. It's not based in fear. It's built on a platform of truth. Now, I don't know if any of you guys realize this or not, but you could say, well, this is the Constitution, but we have a pandemic going on. There's, there's extreme, ex, extenuating circumstances that are affecting all these decisions. So we have to adjust our core values in order to deal with these extenuating situations. That is a lie. I don't know if you guys realize it, but do you know when there's a big pandemic of the Black Plague that and smallpox that was ripping through America when that took place? 1776. Do you know the number one threat to the U.S. Revolutionary Army during the founding of this nation was not the British. It was smallpox. More people were dying from smallpox than the British. Yet they're still writing in the Constitution the right to assemble, the right to a protest, the right to free speech. It was during a pandemic that a constitution was being formed to protect the freedoms of the people. So this whole idea that we have a, a, a situation that is beyond the constitution is not true. It is because of a constitution, a basis of truth that brings liberty and freedom to all people and then the right, if those liberties are being violated, to stand up and protest and to assemble. Why do we need to assemble? Why is assembling in a church so critical? Well, I can see for a couple weeks, hey, we got to make some adjustments because we don't know what's going on. But there's a criticalness to assembly. It wasn't so much what was spoken from the pulpit but it was what would took place in the, in the relationships surrounding that, and they would discuss it, and they would banter with it, and they would, they would work with it till it could become part of them that they could go out, and they could think, and they could decide, and they could make decision, and, and belief systems were adjusted. But you could say, I could do that online. No, you, you can't. Can. You're limited to what you could say online. Online has a whole set of constitution that is radically different. A platform could say, you can't say that. Well, guess what? That that freedom that I'm being told I can do online has now been stripped. So the idea of assembling, the idea of protesting, the idea of people, human beings coming together. Come on, we're not an artificial intelligence society yet. The idea of they could come together and think and rationalize is critical. But again... It has to be on a platform of truth. There has to be something that gives that platform the ability for us to agree and disagree, for us to argue and to uh, negotiate and to have conflict with each other. There has to be a platform that allows that. Otherwise, an individual who's not elected, who's not uh, under our, our government, can choose. Why is it that people are making decisions on a lot of these matters are based on an organization that doesn't even abide within the U.S. rule of law. It has its own rules. And what gives them a platform of truth? What gives them the reason that they can, they can dictate? I can agree with them at times. I can disagree with them at times, but they don't rule over me. We rule as individuals under our platform. And this is where this matter becomes much more 
important uh, to what we believe, not just in our country, but in our faith in Jesus Christ, in our faith in how we our eternity, our faith in everything that we do is built on a platform of truth. And more and more people are starting to realize that now. As as I've been kind of looking at the the landscape of this thing over the last couple of weeks, in in a church setting, and in just the a worldly setting, more and more people are realizing, okay, what's going on now is not freedom. It's it's suppressing me, and I'm I'm kind of done with it. So I'm going to start living my life. I'm going to reopen my things. I'm going to do what I need to do, not out of rebellion, but out of one, necessity, but two, identity. So this is what I am, and anything less than this now is is obstructing my identity, which it's it's so comforting to see that happening from a, I would, I would say, a responsible perspective from at least the people that I've been talking to and observing. They're doing it very responsibly, very respectfully. You're always going to see someone memeing online like, oh, you just want to get a haircut and you don't care if you kill someone doing it. That's that's not really a thing. Maybe there's two people out there like that. But the, the point I wanted to transition to is this, Brian, because you um, you are a person that has had to go through multiple instances of standing up for what is right, even when it costs you, and it costs you greatly at times. And you don't you don't necessarily have to go into specifics, but what what I would love to hear from you is how have you gone through those and known the difference between okay, this is a situation and I can adjust what I'm doing out of respect and it's not compromising my identity or my integrity or my word and it's the right thing to do versus a situation where you face something and you have to break from it. You have to stand against it because to do otherwise would compromise your word and your identity. How do you tell the difference when those moments come? Because on on one hand, and, and I've seen this, so much in my personal life and in my experience talking to people the last couple of months, it is so difficult to tell the difference between this is just prudent to do versus this is something that is trying to suppress your freedom, either in a spiritual sense or in a natural sense. It can be really difficult to tell the difference at times, but I've seen you navigate it very well. So I guess that's my long-winded question of how have you gone through those things? Well, that's a great question. Uh, we were talking about that earlier before we started the podcast. Um, I think there's some things that are just absolute inside of me that have been forged through maybe through challenges, through conflict, and I've seen it come through the other side. Um, I think there also has to be something within you that you have an internal line that if it hits this point, I, I'm, I'm willing to walk away from things. And that willingness to walk away is is critical. I don't mean walk away from a discussion or walk away from a debate. I mean walk away from the benefits of agreeing. Hmm. And I think that that is that is the critical point. And I I'm not sure how I fully got there, but that's kind of been ingrained in me um, over time. And 
you know, it's not always pleasant. It, it doesn't always feel good to be alone. Yeah. It doesn't always feel good to feel like you're always on the outside. It doesn't, it doesn't always feel good to know people are going to reject you. But when your identity doesn't come from their acceptance, it actually helps you to love those people and to go into places because your, your internals are not challenged by the disagreement. And I think there's a free, there's that idea of freedom is so powerful, but you can't compromise it. Now, some areas I, I've compromised it and I've looked back on, man, I wished I would not have agreed to that. Man, I wished I wouldn't have got myself into that. And I think I've had enough of both to be able to maybe distinguish. Now, I still wrestle, I've pondered this within myself, just within our current world that's been so radically changed. Where's that line now? How much would you be willing to sacrifice for what you truly believe? How much would you be willing to let go to what you truly believe? So I think that idea, if you ponder it, forces you to really form a foundation of what you really believe. Because at some point, it will cost you something. Everything costs something. Even freedom costs something. God's grace doesn't cost you anything in the sense that you can earn God's grace. God's grace, his unmerited favor... His, his love over you, his passion over you, costs you nothing. It cost him everything. It doesn't cost you anything to re, but to, for it to be available to you. The cost of it's free. The availability, you can't earn it. You can't do anything right enough. It's there for free. But I'll tell you what, there is a cost. And I think there's a little misconception about this. It's going to cost you the belief systems of feeling, of believing you can earn it, that you can do these things, that uh, it's going to cost you. And accepting it will cost you relationships. Accepting it will cost you negative opinion about you. Accepting it could alter your whole way of living that you used to live on this one platform, and now you accept a new platform, and it costs that platform. And I think it's it's there is a cost, and we don't always talk about that because the grace of God wants to come and lift you to the position and the design that you're that you're you're called to as sons and daughters of the King to rule and reign with Him to have authority and responsibility over your decisions and your and and your life and to be able to influence other people and to live free that you are accepted before God. But I'm telling you, there is a price that you pay with the elements that are around you because of that decision. And so once you kind of could come to peace with that, it's very liberating. So I don't know if that fully answered your question, but I think those things have been built within that I've, uh, I'm okay with that. Oh, it really does. And I think it's important that, I think it's important that you touched on the fact that it's something that had grown and developed in you. It wasn't just that you woke up magically one day and and you're like okay here's my lines and um this is what I'm going to say when someone approaches them it it is a very internal thing but it it is something that has to be developed like any any form of strength and we've covered that in many episodes on how strength is it is something that you're given but you also have to develop it and understand it and learn how to operate in it because it is new the strength from god that you are given is very new and different and it's uncomfortable to learn how to operate in different things. I also thought it was really interesting. You said you're able to love people better when your identity is not tied to their acceptance. And I just wanted to think about that for a minute. How how many of our decisions 
are influenced, at least in, in some way, by what other people think about us. And this is something that most people are, are taught as kids. Like, don't let other people's opinions about you, you know, affect what you do and how you look at yourself. And on one hand, we've kind of got that down. But, but at the same time, it, it seems that we have a built-in habit of trying to fit in and trying not to cause waves, trying not to rock the boat. And, and obviously you shouldn't try to do those things just for the sake of doing them. But I don't know where along the line of our, of our development in our history, we got the idea that the ideal life is void of conflict and void of boat rocking. I mean, you're not going to find a world where you get to avoid conflict and where your lines and your beliefs are not pushed or threatened. You have to learn how to react and respond when that does happen. And it is interesting that when you can get there, you are actually able to love people in a better way. Because ultimately, we should be thinking about other people. And it, it's very interesting, or it's very easy on one hand to get caught in, my rights are being violated, so I need to defend myself. And there is a context of that for sure. But there's also the side of, look at what's happening to other people. So how can I love them, and even love the person that's coming against me, knowing that the person isn't the problem. There's something else going on in them that's the problem. And to understand the source and the motive behind that, that was very interesting to me. You know, one thing that um, I was pondering, even even in that question, as, a, as I'm thinking it through more, I think deeper is the understanding of God's motives towards me. Mm. You know, we, we, we interpret a lot of God based on actions that are done and the activity that we see. But if we don't, uh, and I think you brought this up earlier in the podcast that we, and we mentioned it on a previous podcast, but the motive of the action is really more critical than the action itself. And, you know, for instance, if, if I get, if I get into a car accident and someone dies, well, depending on the motive, depending on the circumstances that were put in. It was either an accident, it was manslaughter, or it was murder. It was one of those three things, but it all depends on the motivations that brought about the situation to begin with. So it's critical to know the motivations, but if you just see Brian was in a car accident and someone died, you don't know unless you know me. So your first thought goes, oh man, that's too bad. But maybe you didn't know I absolutely couldn't stand that person was waiting for them to come around the corner and I drove my car as fast as I could into them and killed them. So now it becomes murder. So it all depends on those type of situations that the action. So back to my point with motive and, G and God. So Isaiah 61. So Jesus, when he came out of the, the time of temptation, he entered in the synagogue and he sat down and he wrote, he read the scripture of Isaiah. And he said, this is the word spoken of me. And it reveals the motivation of the Spirit of God that operated through Jesus. So if we want to know the motive and the passion of God himself, you have to get to the motive of why he does everything. And there is a motive. So let me, listen, let me read you the motive of God. And it's Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. In other words, there's hope. You're not stuck there. There's hope. 
and I'll help. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, those that have been damaged and have scarred views of life because of the, the destruction that's happened in your life and the things that have happened. I came to heal that so you can be whole. To proclaim liberty to the captives, those that have been captive, whether it's through mental issues of just like mental oppression, I don't mean like a mental disorder, but it could be that. But I mean, just you're in an environment where you're constantly in an oppressed state. You're captive. It could be an ideology that you're captive to. But he came to break that and set you at liberty. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which was the year of Jubilee, when all that has you were given as an inheritance had been either you sold it off, you someone else has taken it, you had done something with your inheritance. He came to restore that back because that inheritance was yours. So he came to bring back the inheritance that had been lost. And this final verse seems to get omitted, the day of vengeance of our God. Vengeance on the enemy who has blinded the eyes of the people and stripped them of their liberty and their freedom. So if you catch the spirit of God, his essence, his way of being, his way of thinking has been passionately to restore you back to the position as an individual to be free, to be responsible, and to be able to see and to be able to act accordingly. So that's his motive. Jesus operated that in everything that he did. He didn't come to oppress. He didn't come to get more servants. He didn't come to get more minions to do his bidding. He came to liberate a people so they can choose, so they could think, so a relationship could be formed and we can unify with him and walk with him. It, it's That's his motive. So everything that's done is based on those motives. So to say, well, you're just being mean and not being compassionate. I'm absolutely compassion, but if compassion keeps you a slave, and compassion keeps you from being set free, and compassion hurts another person for to accomplish one thing by me hurting another person and stripping their freedoms and their abilities away. That isn't the motive of God. And so once you can catch what the motive is in his passion, that he was willing to die for this motivation, this truth then shouldn't that be within our essence, too, of those who call ourselves believers? Not to put a judgment, not pointing a finger if you're not doing it. I'm just wanting you to catch the motive of a baseline of truth. And I think that's just a powerful thing that we need to get a hold of, of what is God's motive towards us. Hmm. I, I do think that should be the ultimate question. And do you think it could... Do you think it should be taken further in saying we should try to adopt that same motive in our actions? Or is that too far out there? I, I don't think you can take the action until you believe the motive. Mm -hmm. So I could say, hey, everybody jump on board with me. We're going to go do X, Y, or Z because this is the right thing. And maybe you have a good respect for me and you trust me and I'm leading the way, so I'm kind of taking the responsibility for the actions to be happening, but you can participate and be a spectator in that. So you join me as a spectator, but it's not something deeply con convicted in you, or it's not deeply understood in you. It won't really have a long-term effect. That's why Jesus could do more with 120 and change the world with Christianity than he could have with thousands of people who just believed when he died. But many didn't. 
He wanted those that have that core conviction of that relationship, and they receive the Spirit of God. And um, there's so many benefits to the Spirit of God, so I don't want to undermine any of the benefits, but one of it is the, his motivations and his ideas and his way of thinking, and we can see his thoughts. And there's so many strategies to deal with people. And so, but there does come a point where there's fundamentals that have to be established. And that is God wants you free. God wants you liberated. He wants your eyes to be open. He wants you to be able to choose. He wants you no longer to be in bondage to the things that hold you down. He no longer wants you to be subjected to the temporal pleasures that hinder you from having the eternal joys and the and the pieces. And I'm not just talking about in heaven. I'm talking about what comes internally where you're liberated and free regardless of the circumstances around you. But boy, your decisions will be changed when that happens. You know, as we kind of wrap it up here, one thing that stood out to me with all of the motivation behind that, it seems to be a very active thing. And you, and you and I were talking about this earlier today. The, the motive of God was him lifting people up and him sacrificing of himself to do that, not what can I make this person sacrifice to help this person? It was a very active thing. And it's interesting that the, you know, obviously if we're taking an active motivation, the activities behind it or the activities resulting from it might be different, but it does need to be active. And a good motivation cannot be passive in the light of, because they told me to do this and they're in charge. That's, that's not an active or what I would consider a healthy motivation. And again, the action resulting in it might look the same. So with your active motive, you might say, I need to do this. And it looks the same as someone over there who's being passive. But because you're making it your own and you're making that decision as a free person, it makes all the difference in the world. And at the end of the day, it's not a good enough excuse to say, well, I was doing this because they told me so and they're in charge. It just doesn't hold up. That's not how you make men. That's not how you make women. That's not how you raise free people that can go forth and liberate other people and bring them into a better life. It, it just doesn't work that way. Well, I think we can close out with this, and I think we'll get more into this in our next podcast. But just remember when we went back to Mordecai, when he made a stand on a belief that was in him. He didn't tell anybody else to do it, and it absolutely rocked the known world of Persia. But then the outcome of it was more freedom for everybody else. So someone had to take the stand, but he wasn't trying to take a national stand. He was taking a personal stand, and it changed the course of history. And that truly can also be said when you look at, there's a difference between an authority figure someone who's in authority, and someone who's in charge. Yes. Um, I might be splitting hairs on that, but I'm just trying to get... There's people who have are educated in their opinions, and they've done a skill for a long period of time, so they know more about it. Now, even though they might be a better resource for information, it does not make them an authority. An authority is someone who actually has the power to execute the things they believe and to be able to live them and walk those things out as well. So think of the centurion. He was the authority under Rome. So the reason he could operate as a leader and as one who could make decisions of whether people go to jail or and execute the law enforcement over Israel during the time of Jesus was because he was under authority. 
So there was an authority of the government that he was in that he could execute. But he loved the Jewish people, and he, he did all these things. And we'll get into that story uh, in the next podcast. It's really powerful. But when he saw Jesus healing the sick, he said, you are a man of authority. In other words, your power and your strength draws from something beyond just what you know. You live like it is essence within you. All you have to do is speak the word. So the person who has the control of the word is the one who has the authority. And the problem is we've surrendered much of our own authority to people who aren't authorities. They're not an authority over us. They're experts. They're not always right. And they're not accountable to their decisions. They're just experts. They're like pundits that, that talk about a football match after, after a game. They're experts in the sense that they've been doing it for 25 years, but they've never actually played the game, many of them. They're just experts in analyzing a scenario. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to be coached by an expert. I want someone who's in the game, that their career's at risk too, that they're involved with me, that they're leading from the front, and, and they know what's going on, and they understand the dichotomies of that, and they're held accountable to those decisions. That's what makes them authority. And so if someone is giving direction but is not held accountable to their own decisions that they make, they're not an authority. They're a pundit. And unfortunately, we live in a world that we'd rather be given information by pundits than by authorities. Now, I may not always agree with the authority speaking, but here's the fact. They're the authority. So I have, to re I have to be willing to deal with the consequences of the authority. But when the centurion saw Jesus was a man of authority, just said, just speak your word and it will be done. And it, Jesus marveled. Like, this, this is the whole essence of the gospel. You understand authority. But you can't understand authority unless you understand motive. And the unfortunate part is we have such a dis, as a general whole, we don't understand God's motive. So we don't take his word as authority. We take experts in this world as the authority. Therefore, we disregard what he says, and we challenge everything the Bible says and have nine different reasons to why it's not really saying what it's saying and doing all this. And we've all done it, and I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying we challenge that. But all of a sudden, some person from another country who's a quote-unquote expert in something says something, and we all jump. Oh, we better go do that. That's. Do you not see that that's weird? We've made that person a god as an authority, and God becomes someone that we wrestle with and don't disregard, and we pick and choose, and we'll do this or that. And I'm not saying he's even coming to put laws on you to punish your life. I just said his motive. He came to set you free, but we disregard our personal freedom and responsibility for the sake of slavery to fear by someone who's not even an authority. He's just a pundit. And those are my final words. Thank you for letting me be a little bit passionate today. I'm, I'm a, I, apparently, I'm a little stirred up. But love all you guys. Thanks for listening. We really do appreciate you. No, I'll, I'll echo that. We, we really do appreciate you guys. And for anyone who's made it this far listening to the podcast and hasn't turned it off and gotten upset, and is anyone who's actually wrestling with these things and thinking about them, you guys are the ones that we're talking to. You're the ones we're here for because this is... This isn't stuff for children. This isn't stuff for little kids. This is this is stuff that adults need to chew on because it takes grown-ups taking responsibility and being willing to have these conversations in these difficult times. 
that ends up changing things and and things things do need to change. And now again, we're not trying to tell you what decision to make because you are in a unique situation. But I actually trust that you have the spirit of God living in you who is going to help you make that decision, not based out of fear, not based out of self-preservation or what's everyone around me going to think, but based on your identity, where God has you placed, what he has for you, you can make the right decision and you can walk in it. And we're here to pray with you guys. We're here to support you guys and be with you. Um, we're also here to have some back and forth discussions. And I again, we know that Facebook comments and social media, it's not the most ideal place to have conversations. And that's unfortunately where things are at right now. But, you know, maybe not for very long. But again, we'll be back with another episode next week. We're going to continue this discussion because these are crazy times. But, you know, Brian and I are a little bit of crazy people, so maybe it's fitting. But we love you guys. We appreciate you tuning in each and every week. And we'll see you next week.